So we're a couple days removed from the Tempest Freerunning Kings of the Concrete and we've allowed it all to sink in. And I just want to start off by saying that this event exceeded expectations. But I'm gonna to throw to you first, Tom, and I want you just to kind of tell everyone without giving too much away what the event was like. Yeah, totally. So I guess before I even get into that, uh, they did uh, ask that we not share the results. So they explicitly said not to share results, uh, not to film anything, which is what we predicted in our last episode. We did think that they, uh, they were gonna ask people not to film. So, um, yeah, so just kind of broad strokes. I thought the event was really excellent. I thought it was, uh, it was quite an exciting watch. There was some like story development that happened throughout the competition. Um, it was tournament style, which was based on their online competitions that they held uh, over the last couple years. And yeah, it was an excellent event. It was a nice, tight, short event. I think it was like two hours or so um, as a spectator, which is something that we don't really get to experience often at a competition. Um, I, I felt like we were well taken care of. There was tons of uh, uh, sponsor booths, like vendor booths that we could uh, go up to, try out some products. Um, they had some drinks that were available for, uh, for the attendees. It was just a really nice, relaxed vibe, and we got to kind of kick back and watch the event. There was no uh, temptation. I didn't feel any temptation to like train uh, or like try to do any parkour during the event. I was pretty, pretty much there as just a spectator, and it felt like I was able to kind of fully immerse in that experience. We might be the only ones that probably <laughs> had that feeling. Though. I feel like there's an age thing where where some of the younger people in the audience are like, I just want to get on stage and play on the same stuff. Whereas you and I just wanted to get on stage to like marvel at the scale of things after the, the show was over. And I just want to dial back a little bit to the that live experience. So if we can, we'll try to, I guess, for our viewers, describe in words what it was, what it was like to be there. So the setup, uh, they had a, out in like a parking lot, they had a lot of uh, these platforms, so mm -hmm. typical like st scaffolding type platforms that they did some, some unique things with. They also had like a shipping container and then they, they welded bars into existing railings on the spot as well as drilled into the concrete itself. And, and we say, so again, kings of the concrete, the, I assure you the floor was concrete. Yeah. And we were sitting, we were, so we, we decided to splurge and get a VIP table. So the VIP table cost us $300 USD and it's a, it's a small round table. We got three chairs and we're sitting with DeAndre Jones and there's probably about, I would, I would estimate like eight other tables like that. Yeah. Maybe eight to 10 or something like that. And, uh, yeah, they had some, there were some like couches for like very very important people um, and then behind us there was like a almost like a stadium seating kind of bleacher setup with about a hundred seats available so yeah and then they also had on top of the shipping container which was stage right or stage left i can't remember how it works 
but the, on top of the shipping container is where the, the judges were, were seeing. So you, you were always able to kind of like look up at the judges throughout the show to see what their uh, decisions were. And judges, we, we named in our previous uh, video on this, but we had Nate Weston, Sydney Olson, Pasha. What is Pasha's last name again? The boss. Petkins, Petkins, or something. Yeah, well, his—I yeah. don't think even think his real name is Pasha. So. Yeah, he's just—he's like Cher now, so Pasha, first yeah. name basis. Uh, Joey Adrian, and did I, was that five? And no. and and Travis uh, Verkick. So there's your judging panel, and then next to them was a couch, and we had Flip Like Z on the couch, as well as a couple guys that I didn't—I don't know who the other guys were, but Flip Like Z was there, and he was the hype man, right? Yeah, he was just kind of like. He wasn't like master of ceremonies, but it felt like he was like up there just kind of trying to provide the hype. Yeah, and he did a very good job of that. And that's like literally we talked to him yesterday and, and that's what he said his, his role was supposed to be, was up there and just bring the hype. And that's, that's what he did. And then master of ceremonies was Travis Wong, uh, just a you know, local owner of uh, Jam Movement, if you're not familiar. He has been in that role for like a number of, of different things. So very, very familiar with that. And I think he did a great job of just, you know, keeping the, the show going, not saying too much. I was talking with uh, Joey Adrian after the, after the show and, and we kind of talked about commentary and uh, commentating, or sorry, not, not Joey, sorry, I was talking to, I was talking to uh, Jeffy. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to Jeffy, who was one of the commentators. And uh, Jeffy was uh, saying that he doesn't like the, calling out like play by play oh yeah and that's how some people approach commentating in parkour events or freestyle events is like calling every move which just starts to feel weird and, and you're gonna make mistakes so it's he kind of settled into what he felt like was just like describing the run and talk like picking out one piece we couldn't hear what the commentators were saying but they were also positioned in front of us at, on a couch it was uh jeffy and then some guy that we've never seen before, who yeah. apparently he does have like a kid that goes to Tempest Freerunning, so he does have some parkour knowledge, uh, but he's also like a professional broadcaster. So it'll be interesting to see how that part turns out because he felt like it went well. He, uh, Jeffy felt like the, mm -hmm. the commentating went well and they are gonna be able to edit this event down, which is kind of what we can get into next is how they are uh, well, it seems that uh, Tempest is going to be putting this event out there in episodes. And we were even, you were talking about during the event, like things that you imagined seeing. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So there's, um, I mean, one thing, like, I mean, in terms of things I wish were available during the live stream was like if there was, or not the live stream, there was no live stream. During the event, during the, uh, the experience of the actual, the physical presence of the event, um, if there was a uh, like a screen on the back wall that like was showing this um, the the tournament bracket, that would be really interesting because then we can kind of get a feel for all right which which uh, matchup is coming next or like what like if somebody wins their matchup, what that means for them coming up later in the next round. Um, so that would have been really cool to see. I imagine they're going to put that into post, some kind of like post-production. They'll include the actual brackets. Um, and then also things like graphics of, uh, you know, just like you have like a, uh, you know, 
a lot like MMA, like, uh, you know, it's like you get the, the image of like the, the two fighters, like yeah. one like this and the other one kind of matching on the other side. thought that would be really cool if we could see that. I'm sure that would be something that they'll consider in post-production as well. Um, maybe not without with the yeah. fists, but you know, just kind of like the face-off kind of look. If they uh, if they did take some some uh, some photos of the athletes, which I'm sure they did a bunch of media um, with the athletes beforehand, but we don't know that. Yeah, we still don't know what the the overall piece is going to look like, and if it's going to, I guess, mirror the experience we had live, well, which was you know we we finished the event and just everyone's it's it's like you know your typical uh, not typical but. Your, your your big parkour event feel, your big parkour competition feel. It didn't. Uh, it felt like there was a really nice climax. The end, like just oh, yeah. like they could not have written something better than what went down. We got to be very careful about what we're saying here, but yeah, how that event ended was just perfect. It was just just perfect climax, and so everyone storybook just, ending. You know, yeah, everyone's just stoked, and you know, we we all like rush the. The uh, arena, the stage, you know, we're all, everyone's, everyone's just there uh, having a good time, talking to the athletes, checking out the size of things and stuff like that. And I was, um, yeah, just, I, I'm assuming that they're really going to play that up in the, mm. in the post-production. But so they, they, uh, they talk about the, the series that they're going to be making as a docu-series. So I don't think it's going to be like... Um, uh, it's, I don't think it's going to be like, this is, uh, this not, is the competition. Not like, like World Chase Day. Not like World Chase Day. Yeah. So they're not going to broadcast it like a competition. I think they're going to kind of make it into, uh, uh, you know, what's that uh, breakdancing documentary that's... Uh, Planet B-Boy? Oh, it might be that one. Yeah. It's anyway, about, it's about Battle of the Year, where it's like the yes, it's about Battle of the Year. B-boy. I kind of see it as something like like that, except not following one team, but mm-hmm. following the whole event and how it kind right. of manifested together, and you know, going through obviously and, and telling the story of the actual competition that took place. But I don't think it's going to be just like a broadcast of mm-hmm. just the event. That's my at least that's yeah. my my guess for what's for, happening. Again, we have to be really careful with our words here, but. For the winner of the, the men's division, I really hope if they are going that sort of docu-series mm-hmm. way of something like, like Planet B-Boy, that's a very, good, a very good example of what it could be. <clears throat> and if they do go that way with it, I really hope they get a lot of post-event interviews mm-hmm. with, with the winner. Because without that, the story, like I, I want to hear his play-by-play mm-hmm. of what was going through his head yeah. between the rounds. Uh, man, it's... <laughs> yeah, that, it's so hard to not talk about it because there's, <clears throat> there's so many interesting things that happen. Uh, the event wasn't without any um, controversial results. I felt like there was definitely uh, at least one big controversial result which changed the shape of the way the rest of the event went. If you think about who was involved in that, mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about any more of like the specifics around that. Um, but, uh, and some of the matchups too were really interesting. Um, but we won't, we won't get, <laughs> we won't get too deep into that. 
What, what we can talk about potentially is just like maybe individual athletes and what mm-hmm. we uh, what we were, you know, surprised by or yeah. not surprised well, by. Well, maybe okay. So let's start by talking about then the the ones that because there are a couple of athletes that showed up that I, I wasn't familiar with, like I'd never seen before, and so I'd like to talk about them. But first of all, like the the ones that we were expecting. So in the men's division. And who do I, who do we start with? <laughs> I'll start with uh, with talking about uh, the twins. Okay, so we got yeah the parkour twins. Okay, we can also run down. So we got uh, I kind of drew a blank for a second, but we got Kevin Franzen. Uh, we got Ellis Torhall. Who else was in there? That's that was already kind of kind of notable on people's radar. Um, I I don't think you knew him very well, but I was kind of, he was on my radar, Denali Saruno. So he's one of the ones that I wanted to kind of touch on later as unknown because, well, if you look at, like, I I immediately, you know, followed him on IG after and you look at his, he's got like 5,000 followers. So I'm assuming that a lot of people out there don't, don't know who he is. Yeah. But yeah, parkour twins. Parkour twins. Yes. Well, twin parkour. Yeah. Not parkour that's twins. The, that's, that's different. The, that's the that's, that's the other twins. That's the Australians. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so twin parkour. So that's Aiden and Shay Rudolph. They are incredible athletes, and you know, obviously, I've I've been paying attention for them for them to them for a really long time, um, because they're these two young kids who seemingly didn't have any spots near them, and they've just kind of like ended up learning all these like ridiculous skills in like a relatively like a rural area from what I understand. And, uh, and now they're like some of the top athletes in the game. I think, uh, Shay, Shay competed at art of motion and, uh, unfortunately bailed his, uh, his like trick that probably would have been the sickest trick might've also set him off to like potentially win art of motion. Um, it was that castaway precision, um, which, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's you should go find that clip because uh, he did land it in practice. Is the clip just it. on his IG or their IG? I should say. Good question. No idea. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is probably. I think I saw it recently. Um, the the castaway precision um, that he did in practice, not the one that he failed in the in mm-hmm. the actual event. Anyway. Pretty incredible. So Shay and Aiden, they both absolutely killed it. I thought they were both like they both performed super well. Um, yeah, and I think we can talk a little bit about like how mm-hmm. athletes performed, like mm-hmm. what what they brought to the table. Yeah. And I felt like Shay and Aiden, they they really brought well, as you mentioned, like a diverse skill set and some some unique skills that weren't seen mm-hmm. by other athletes uh, on the field as well as just the ability to have like good tight line creation that you know didn't it's a, it's a live competition so it doesn't always go as planned but mm. um, some of the some other athletes struggle with actually stringing together lines and and I felt like they they performed like veterans too like they were just they seemed very relaxed um, mm. just you know I don't know if that's their <laughs> they're just their usual demeanor but uh, yeah, they didn't seem they didn't seem all nervous. They didn't seem really phased by the event. They were just kind of like, mm. yeah, it's cool to be here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, um, we can't get into the specifics, but yeah, I was very impressed by the twins. Um, 
Uh, I want to talk about Kevin Franzen. I think that he warrants discussing because um, throughout the event, it was very it, he was it was very clear that he's an experienced competitor who knows how to craft a line, um, and he looked the like from my perspective looked the most relaxed of any athlete out there. So, um, so yeah, I mean he's I'm still I'm pretty sure he's still pretty young, but he's like one of the more veteran competitors um, from what I understand. Uh, and and it, it really shows in the way he performs. Yeah, there's so much more I want to say, but I can't. Of course, of course you do. <laughs> you know, you're just like thinking up, like how do I describe how they did without yeah. saying what I'm, they did? I'm, yeah, I'm running into the or same thing. Or giving away their placement. You know, I almost, I think I almost uh, dropped a spoiler for a second there. Anyway, <laughs> well, if we accidentally do, we can cut it out. We'll yeah. bleep it out. And then we also have the the fifteen year old Ellis Torhall. He's seventeen. Seventeen. Fifteen. I, okay. Seventeen. Well, I'm less impressed now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> seventeen year old Ellis Torhall, like absolutely incredible. Uh, I think, I think it was Dylan Poland who initially told me about Ellis, and you know just said like or or. Or you and and him together at the same time. <laughs> Tell me about him. And the description was like this kid. If you look at his IG, is just posting competition winning runs all the time as like his regular. But not, but not, post. not, but not competition. Not not in competition. He's just doing runs yeah. that are like clearly like. Um, I I don't know if he's intentionally training in a way that makes him. A potential like you know a, a competitor but it seems that way it seems like he's he's building himself as a competitive free runner if we could use those terms mm-hmm. um, a competitive parkourist a competitive parkour athlete whatever whatever yeah. we want to say and um, yeah he just looked like he came in with a plan yeah uh, he was relatively consistent not perfect no one was perfect no one was quite perfect yeah but he didn't it did, again also didn't look like his first competition and i mean it's not but at, but at right. age 17 to have that much composure and to be able to perform at that level it's 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 crazy yeah um i yeah i had my eye on him going into this event and uh i was i mean He's of course surpassed expectations, you know. Um, you know, I think he would do. I think in my head he was like super capable of so many things, but seeing him perform live was like it's kind of unreal when you see it in person compared to when you see it on uh, on IG. Um, so, yeah, that, Ella, very impressed with Ellis. Ellis and just in and his composure and his mm-hmm. ability to perform um, such high-level uh, tricks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then if we can pop over to the women's division. Yeah, I was where just about to do that. Where it's like, again, same, same sort of things. We just, we just talked about a number of, of young guys, and then we have uh, Noah Diagena, we have Elise Bickley, and, and Nene, who are all teenagers yeah. as well. Yeah. 
in filling up um, that division. There wasn't as many women competing in, in the women's division. I think it ended up being half. About half of the men, I think. Yeah, so I think it was 16 men and eight women um, for the brackets. Do we want to talk about, um, well, any specific women that you wanted to talk about? Those, those three? Those <laughs> <laughs> three. Yeah, actually, um, more? I, actually, I kind of want to start with, um, I, I was really cool to see uh, Hikari compete. Right, um, yeah. I thought that she, you know, came out uh, really clean, well put together lines. Yeah. Um, as seen by actually a lot of the, the Japanese competitors. And yeah, I didn't get an opportunity to see her compete uh, at NEPC uh, a few, few years ago. Yeah, I think she got injured like right before the event. So unfortunately couldn't participate. Yeah, and I was just told that you know her, her competition was freestyle. So it was it was uh, it was cool to finally see that. Yeah, it was really really interesting seeing her compete. Um, I was very impressed with the way she performed, um, and just sticking with the Japanese freerunners. I mean, Nene, um, she's fifteen years old. Okay, so I got it. <laughs> yeah. So Nene is 15 years old and very much a uh, um, an impressive athlete. I want to say some of the yeah. I, well, I don't. Wanna, I want to say a lot of things, but I can't say any of them actually. Um, I I thought Nene's performance was excellent. Um, she also surpassed my expectations in what she was able to do especially when I see it live. You know, you, you, see, it, you see stuff on Instagram, you're like, oh yeah, she's got, she's got a really nice bag of tricks. But you see her perform live mm -hmm. and it's a totally different beast. Yeah. There was also, I think I can say this, there, there was a little bit of drama going in uh, like pre-event. There was something going on with her and I still haven't got the whole story. So because I don't know the whole story, maybe it's not a spoiler. There's just there was yeah. there was something something going on, and, and uh, it seemed like there was something that she had to overcome because of that, and uh, still you know see, seemed to still do almost everything that she wanted uh, during the competition. Again, no one no one really comes out uh, with perfect with perfect uh, execution on everything. Yeah, but it but it seemed like you know she had things she wanted to do and, and she got those done and, and um, yeah like it hurt uh, I think she she might be the future uh, for for women's freestyle right now it looks like I mean at age 15 and she mm -hmm. still uh, has improved a lot over the last just like year or two so I think I think it would be fair to say that she, she might well, be the future of that yeah I mean division. and well and speaking of the future I mean we also have Noah Diorgina man and she is Red Bull sponsored athlete mm -hmm. at what seventeen Who or something. Who also got a lot taller. She's gotten taller, yeah. <laughs> I just like remembering seeing her in person like two years ago, and just you know, look. Look now, it's like we're kind of just like looking eye to eye, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, she's growing up, and she's getting, she's getting better. She, I mean, like I said, she's sponsored by Red Bull now, mm -hmm. um, which is a huge accomplishment in general. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of people that get sponsored by Red Bull. And she won Art of Motion last year uh, in the women's division. So um, obviously a, uh, a, and I mean, she, you know, she, she also trains for competition, right? Mm -hmm. um, at least it looks that way from the outside. Mm -hmm. So 
and, and I think we're going to see more of that. The younger competitors are just going to come up with like competition being such a normal part of the sport um, that we're going to see a lot of like, you know, I mean, she has a coach and she's like being, uh, being helped with like crafting her lines and stuff like that. I think it's just going to be more commonplace moving into the future training specifically for competition. Yeah, it almost like makes me think of uh, some of the athletes we didn't see. So again, the, the judges, mm-hmm. like, like Travis Verkaic, who's like, you know, I talked to him and he's like, I don't, I don't really like uh, competing. He's like, what he told me. And it's, it's kind of weird because like, I do remember uh, myself just, you know, when speed competitions first started coming out and not, not really feeling it, you know, partially because not, not performing well or, you know, the pressure, just like the anxiety that comes with, oh, now I'm being uh, put like for everyone to see, you know, you're being put on a, on a pedestal with, uh, with everyone else competing. Whereas, you know, if you can hang back and just put out videos, it feels a lot different because you're, you're in those comfortable spaces training with people, you know, and not just performing and, and competing against other people. Well, and you can take as many attempts as you want at something without the pressure of like going now mm-hmm. or like, you know, you have that you have the control over your own yeah. But I guess part of the reason why, why I wanted to bring him up and uh, as you were talking about Noah and some of the younger athletes that are, you know, out there with, uh, with a coach and with a plan and with just like this, this purpose to, to come to these competitions, I'm sure they, you know, enjoy practicing parkour and everything for, for what it is, but it, it seems like a part of their, uh, their path is to enter into competitions, whereas for Verky that's doesn't seem to be the case at all you know he's happy to just win you know hopefully win the store award yeah sometimes that's you know <laughs> his competition it's just i'm just gonna do my thing put out some dope videos well yeah i mean he's probably not even like he, he's probably not necessarily training to win the store awards mm-hmm. though that's the thing and neither is dom i mean dom like is competitive and he wants to win it mm-hmm. like but i don't think that's like necessarily the driving force behind what he's doing like he's a par- he's a professional parkour athlete. He's doing stuff and posting it online in the way that professional parkour athletes do. It just so happens that Story runs in a, a competition every year that looks at the data of all the, or like looks at all the like the media that's come out of all the you know all the dopest athletes around the world, and they just select the best male, best female, right? So, um, yeah, like. Verky, like, his competition is, like, just seeing how well he can get his YouTube going, you know, like, and then, and then from there, all of his media is up for everybody to see, and and Stora can then potentially choose him as the winner of Best Male for the year. Yeah, so the the other thing I wanted to uh, uh, talk about, too, because in in line with, with Verky is, is competition style, so part of the reason why he's not in that competition is, you know, partially, like, admittedly, like, oh, it doesn't really cater to what he does. Like, constructing, like, oh, you have to put it together a line that's, like, five moves mm-hmm. um, strung together with transitions or whatever. Uh, and usually he's out there putting together maybe, like, a two- or a three-piece or a one-piece move thing, and it's well, done. Yeah, so, I mean, if we... I think what we... Uh, I don't want to get too stuck on, like, the people who didn't compete... Mm-hmm. But uh, but what I did find cool was 
Kings of the Concrete had a time limit, right, of 15, very good, very good decision. 15 to 20 seconds, yeah. right? Um, which I was like, when they said that, initially I was like, oh, I wonder if they're going to have like a buzzer that goes off or something like that to like actually police it. But they did not, and uh, I'm sure some people went over 20 seconds, but I think just allowing or, uh, or encouraging and just saying, okay, it's 15 to 20 seconds, that made people construct better lines and keeping kept it tighter than just saying like, um, hey, build a line on the course. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and oftentimes I think what we've seen in other types of competitions is if you say your time limit is 90 seconds, People yeah. try to use all 90 seconds instead of um, being smart about constructing a line that just looks tight and looks, uh, uh, you know, and accomplishes every, like, everything you want to. And, and, and a, a good line is what most competitions want to see, but we need to be able to convey to the athletes how to do a good, clean line, a short, constructed line that you know isn't a minute and a half long yeah so the the time limit that was that was a you know a good choice uh it's something that uh, b- both of us can say like you know we were really happy that because we didn't know that i think until until it was announced live day yeah. of yeah day of competition is because you you think like okay they're gonna throw down they're gonna do lines uh I, it, it seemed like the like pre-event information was pitching lines not just like you do a move i do a move so it was line versus line and it also just makes it easier to judge like could you imagine how like (laughs) how tough that would have been if it's like you get a minute you get a minute head to head and it's like what did they do again it's like (laughs) i'm several minutes i'm several minutes into it now and i'm trying to think back like what the it almost um uh, like would favor like the second person more because you're just yeah. gonna forget what the first person did after waiting like a whole minute and a half for the second person to go. Yeah. So that that was a great decision and it helped with the overall length of the event too because we had to see some of those athletes had to do like four four lines. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Four lines and that's a lot, right? And it's. Uh... Yeah, you imagine like four one-minute lines. You would have just seen the do, same thing again. So they did have like, they had like all day to prepare, mm-hmm. um, which, um, which was cool because, you know, uh, the more practice they get, the better they're going to perform. Yeah, I was actually really uh, pleased going in to know that that had happened mm-hmm. because, again, the way that the competition was being pitched as this, you know, secret location and everything, it, it seemed like there was going to be no practice. Just like the, the way the way that Gabe was kind of selling it was like, yeah, you show up, you show up, bring your lines to the, and it was just going to be like, here's the spot, go. <laughs> yeah. No, they had all day to prepare, which is, um, which is good because they could, uh, they could really craft their lines and, and, and hopefully develop more than just, you know, one line, you know, if, you know, some, some people only got one line because, it was a knockout tournament. So it was literally 1v1. If you lost, you were out of the competition. And if you won, you move on to the next round where you have to do another line. And, uh, you know, some of the strategy involved in, in this was kind of interesting. Is like, you know, did every athlete come up with four lines? Probably not, but 
Um, but some of them probably did, right? In preparation for the, you know. It was, it was especially interesting to see some of the athletes who clearly saved for the end, mm. you know? Like they, they, they were doing impressive things like throughout, but there was, there was some that were clearly like by the time There was got definitely to the some end, strategy involved mm-hmm. in like holding back, you're like hiding some of your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought, so another thing that, that was implemented, which I thought was a cool rule, um, that, it, that wasn't announced until like halfway through the event was that when you were going head to head, the first person went, but whoever they were going against wasn't allowed to watch. And uh, because, so I was, I was watching, you know, early on, I was, I was like, oh, okay, well, that person just like fell or messed up. If I'm the next competitor, I would just take it easier do my line a little bit like, like just make sure I land everything and do my line, you know, clean as opposed to doing what maybe is like the harder stuff to, so I can really push through because the person fell. That means I'm definitely going to get through if I just land everything clean, but they weren't allowed to watch. And that wasn't announced until about halfway through we realized like, oh, okay, they're not allowed to watch. So that's a good call on Tempest's part because um, because then, then you would have sandbagging, right? Mm-hmm. You'd have somebody who sees somebody fall or mess up on their line and they're going to, they're going to be like, all right, I'm going to intentionally lower the quality of my next run so that I get through, um, without having to like risk it. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting take on that. Uh, because I don't, you're, you're sounding like you really like that. Yeah. Yeah, you, I do. And I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm like totally sold on that being the best way to do it because if you if you are competing, you want you want you <laughs> competition is about strategy. Yeah, right? And and so it's like removing some ability to strategize, but I even heard from like some athletes after that they they were listening for yeah. crowd reaction yeah. and stuff to determine like how well Somewhere, which is, you know, yeah. kind, of, kind of its own thing, right? It's like, oh, like how, how good am I at like reading uh, crowd reaction or just listening for things to, to determine whether or not, you know, someone biffed you it. Can or... get, you can get some information out of crowd reaction, but the, pro, but the thing mm-hmm. is, I wouldn't bet on it, you know? I wouldn't bet on that going into... So it's like, if I was, in, if I was second up, the person I'm going against goes, I hear some crowd reaction that's like, oh, they might have like messed up a trick. That means, you know, that's not going to change my behavior going into my line. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I saw somebody totally like fall on their side during their run, I would definitely change my strategy to make whatever I'm doing next, like a little bit easier to make sure I like land everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess it probably would affect it less maybe in like a point system where if if they were if they were all receiving like a score uh, because your score is going to put you on the podium or not on the podium. So you still kind of want to push push harder to get like the, the highest score possible. Mm-hmm. But I, I wonder I wonder how many athletes would take a break basically. Like if if someone like really messed up if they would just like 
you know, take a break to, and also we don't even know how hard they were judging mess ups or slip ups or. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But it just seems so obvious, right? Like if somebody does a move, like a hard move and they land on their side, they get up, they finish the run. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really difficult to select that run unless the other person also falls. Yeah, you true. know what I mean? Like if if the other person lands a perfectly clean run but they're not quite but, as difficult. But what if they, I would what if they fall or slip up on something? And again, we don't know because there was no they, they I, I thought this was a weird thing about the event is like Travis Wong at the beginning says like we didn't come up with a a miracle judging formula, which I think he was reading off of a script. He said, we're just, you know, saying like, who did the best? And it's like, okay, there's a criteria for best. And I'm not saying that they didn't have a criteria. There was even like a pre-judge, a pre-show like judge meeting that we saw like all the judges go into. So there probably was some sort of criteria, but we don't actually know what the criteria falls were. And so we don't also, we also don't know like, okay, say you try to do something really big and you rotate, you under or over rotate it, there's like a hand touchdown, but you know, you connect it or whatever. Do they count the attempt of the big move or is it completely erased? And, and I think that's where some of like the head scratching happened during the event and probably one of like the only major criticisms I have of the event is there, there still needs to be clarity in judging because we talked about some of the controversial decisions uh, we spoke to some of the judges post-event, and so we kind of know what their thought process was and, and what was important to them. But should it, I, I don't think it should be that way. I don't think it should be like uh, you have a five judges and one judge is you know really, really strict on bails, and another judge is really, really strict on like how... how uh, connected the line is and then you have another judge who's just like who's doing the biggest stuff you know there's there's just too much variety there if there's not like a consistent criteria again we don't know um yeah but i kind of I it kind would have been of... it would have been just, just to finish it would have been nice as an audience uh participant to have like a five bullet point list but we got nothing yeah, that, that's true. I, I'm not opposed to criteria, and I think that's going to develop over time. But I also don't think it's super necessary. Like, this event is like, this, like, like, there was a couple calls I disagreed with, but ultimately, at the end of the day, do I think the right person won? Probably, you know, like, um, do, um, do, yeah, like, I, uh, I, I, could, I they, always, could they have been knocked out earlier in the competition? Probably. That's true. I agree. But, but again, it's like there's like I'm okay with the ch- subjectivity of style because it is <laughs> like uh, I don't I would rather it be sub, like subjective on this level and, and fun than have it be like gymnastics. Like, the closer we get to gymnastics, the less I'm interested I am in the sport. Okay, so real quick. Kings of the Concrete, just on the notion of judging, the notion of, like, it being a fun event. Do you feel like this is an event where you look at the winner and you say, like, this is the best style athlete? Because they won. And I know some people didn't, weren't able to show up to the event due to injury or whatever. And so like, you know, you might be reserved, but like, let's say they did. Let's say, 
let's say that you know no one had any injuries and all the best um, athletes showed up and the competition match course the way it did, would you be able to say at the end, that's the best style athlete? I don't think that that's a possible thing. Just in general? The, 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 vast, the vastitude, I don't think that's a word, but I'm going to say it anyway. The vastitude of, of abilities in mm-hmm. style and in parkour in general, mm-hmm. is it's so wide that like... Like, let's talk about people who but, weren't there. Like, mm-hmm. it, like Ed Scott mm-hmm. versus um, who's another great style athlete. Um, like, well, let's just talk about NAPC. Ed Scott versus Max Antle of mm-hmm. uh, you know, like both of those guys did super incredible stuff. They had very different styles, very different big tricks at the end. Um, uh, who do I think won? Ed Scott, like. He, like did a better performance overall. Is he the better style athlete? I don't know. Maybe like yeah, I the person who won something... Kings of Concrete could have beat Ed Scott. Mm-hmm. The person who won, wait, who won Art of Motion? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. um, Christian Ko- Koleski. He won Art of Motion. Mm-hmm. He could have beaten Ed Scott. He could have beat the person that mm-hmm. that won Kings of Concrete. Any anyone on a good day could win, and. Yeah. That's well, that's the same in every sport though. It's the same in fighting. Like you could be, you could have two fighters and be like, oh well, this guy's the champion. He just won. But you know, you might think that this person is the better fighter, but they didn't win that night because they were off or whatever. Or you know, anything could happen. Yeah. Anything can happen. But at the same time, like you do want like sport, and and then that's I guess that's the question I'm asking is like, mm-hmm. was this sport or was this just like a fun, entertaining event? Like what? I I guess that's like the real question I'm trying to trying to trying to get to I see to it here. as I see it as both, but I, I I guess it's did did they crown a world champion? Maybe is another way to ask it. Yes. Because <laughs> I don't think they did. Like that's I guess that's that's my like okay. uh, reasoning. I I think that it was more of like uh uh to to. You know, pivot to like a uh, skateboarding brand like Thrasher, mm-hmm. and Thrasher does like events, and it's like, okay, we're just throwing. This is a throwdown, right? And that's what it felt like. It felt like a throwdown type of type of event. Um, the like the tournament style, I think makes. I think you really need points to determine um, uh, a, a champion, particularly particularly at style, because like you need like different rounds, like like how we uh, try try to structure it in SPL. And so this just felt like a, a type of type of competition, but really just an opportunity for like a showcase, a throwdown to happen, uh, but not not a format where you could really clearly at the end say like this person is the world champion. Yeah, I I, I mean I I don't think you can say it's a, that this person is a world champion because the best people weren't in attendance. Or many, again, many again, of the if, best people. But are if they in were with this with this type of event, I mean, I think you could make the argument that yes, yeah, they they could crown a world champion. I think they would need to at least do like double elimination. But that would mean that all the athletes have to, like, come up with even more lines. It would That's be such true. a long. It would be so much longer and so much harder for the athletes to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's a reasonable. Yeah, I'm, way to I'm do just it. saying, like, I think because of the fact that it's line only, and 
you can get, you can like mess up a tiny bit in one round and be out of, like, again, you have to survive all these rounds, mm -hmm. right? Um, there's a reason why like a lot of sports don't do that anymore. Or like if you're, if you're in a tournament in another sport, like you play three games, you know, against like another team. You, or you play best of three, best of five, yeah, or whatever like, in a series. It, it, was, it was sad for me to see some people get knocked out in their first round mm -hmm. when it felt like they could have potentially made it to like a higher placement, like a second place or something like that if they weren't paired against that other person for the first their first round, you know? Um, that, that was definitely sad to me. So a, a double elimination would kind of correct for that. I just don't think it's necessarily feasible, at least for a one-day Mm -hmm. thing if it was like spread across a couple days like a tournament that went across a couple days you could do a double elimination and it would work mm -hmm. better to crown a, a championship um oh like a world champion but um yeah i don't know i, I think there's so many different things that happen in parkour competition that we're just kind of experimenting with and Kings of the Concrete was just a different way of doing it that we haven't seen yet, and um, at least in this iteration of it. And I felt like it was a great way to do things. Like it's easier to judge. It's easier to even even though there's like discrepancies in judgment, I think it still like ultimately leads to the same place. Yeah, I, I think back to when we did like our first big event. And it was also like a head-to-head, -head, but with just teams. Yeah. I don't know why we decided teams. I think it was just to make it fun. Yeah. But, but that was part of the reason is like, ugh, like we, we've watched so many Red Bulls where the, the scoring is weird. And we're like, this will be easy. This is just, you know, you just line up a couple judges and you go, one team goes, the other team goes, and then you win or, or you win. And, uh, you know, that's what we, that's what we landed on. And then we abandoned it. <laughs> we did. But, but I, I think we abandoned it based on the fact that you, it's harder to crown a champion that way. Yeah. Um, we also never tried 1v1. Yeah. We never kind of, we, we just decided to go the, the point system route, mm -hmm. which I'm happy we did because it, it led to us developing uh, that big trick round, which mm -hmm. has every year been the most exciting part of the event. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I think we just went a different direction and ultimately came across... Uh, a way that works for our event. Um, Kings of the Concrete, I think, just went a different way, and I and I and we've talked about this before, but I'm super happy to see other formats come out. Yeah. Because the more formats come out, the more we can uh, we can look at what works and what doesn't. Um, I don't know if we'll ever use a one v one again or a tournament style like style um, competition. Uh, never say never. I don't think we pr we would based on like what our format has developed into, and I think there's a lot of great things. I I I'm you know pretty publicly like not into Red Bulls format and the way that they judge things, and I just think it's it just doesn't it it's always led to the least memorable competitions. Um, like there's like I've, I was telling telling you about this before, but Red Bulls competitions just or the runs aren't very memorable, right? Yeah, it's it's like a good challenge that you issued is is what what's your favorite Red Bull Art of Motion moment? Yeah, you know, let us know in the comments. Yeah, 
that would be, yeah, that's, you know, and, and there's a few, there's a few that I can think of personally off the top of my head of like favorite moments, but, but other parkour events, um, have just had more, uh, memorable moments, including the one we just attended, um, way more memorable. Like I, I'll, I'll remember this like for a long time, um, because of what happened. So back to, so back to Kings of the Concrete, we, we have said a lot about the event without saying too much. (laughs) <laughs> is there anything that that you feel like we've missed that that you want to that you want to share with those who were not in attendance um i mean there's other athletes that were great that i i we didn't mention Didi. yeah we didn't mention Didi. Didi was in attendance and he he competed he did some really cool stuff um honestly there was a couple other guys i don't even know their names still and they did really well one one guy who uh who you've never you hadn't seen before his name was is uh evan evan storm i think is his uh instagram handle shout out to evan he's dope he's 21 and uh on the come up i think he uh performed super well and i'm really excited to see more from him um uh yeah i i mean yeah so we were talking about some of the some of the some of the people that were involved um i think i'm really excited to see that tempest did a competition at all (laughs) Mm -hmm. because when was the last tempest competition i know they've had smaller ones that are just kind of like their gym community like Mm -hmm. speed course events and stuff like that they were part of uh they were part of the napc tour in 2019 that's right yeah but at the at the texas location but, but right? not but it wasn't there but it wasn't their event right so so this is the first tempest branded event since the tempest games from what i can remember right? yeah i don't think that, so like that's like a huge takeaway for me is that like they're, they're finally doing mm-hmm. something that is super on brand for tempest mm-hmm. and um like just even even down to like uh, the the experience of the event, just being there as a spectator, I felt like, yeah, this is a tempest event. It feels mm-hmm. like I don't know how to, I don't know why I feel that way, but it just it feels like, yeah, this is a tempest event. It felt it's Hollywood. It felt like Hollywood. Yeah. It felt I like mean, uh, L.A. When we were just starting the event, like sitting down, it's just everything's getting started, and we're just looking around, and I'm just mentally taking notes of things, and it's like one of the things that comes to mind is just like, dang it we couldn't afford to do this. (laughs) This is like, how the... And, and, you know, we find out after the event, too, like, this is not uh, uh, an event where they're making money off the revenue. Like, there's revenue, you know, there's there's ticket sales, and it's probably about it at this point, probably just ticket sales, to, you know, make some of the money back. But uh, like many of the events that we've done, actually all the events we've done... (laughs) This is not something where they, they're walking away from the event uh, with a profit. And so part of the, I guess part of the reason is, you know, brand exposure. Uh, another part of the reason is just like doing cool stuff for parkour. Yeah, well, I, I don't think it's like 100% altruistic. I think there's also like they want to probably do something with this uh, with this post-production series. That yeah, they're and I hope that... I hope that um, I hope that does well for them. I do too. Yeah. I, I would love to see that get onto like a Netflix or a Hulu or something like that so that people can watch parkour 
that or potentially find parkour without um without you know just watching on youtube or something mm-hmm. like that right like if they're just like sitting netflixing and be like oh what's this kings of the concrete thing yeah let's watch this you know i think that would be super cool yeah. uh, i really hope that's successful i hope the pitch goes well and they get in but um yeah i mean like tempest like i said in our last com- conversation that uh you know i was an early hater of tempest like way back in the day i free run la and 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 stuff and i'm so happy that i've that they've stuck with it for so long and i've been able to have the uh the time to change my mind um because uh tempest is a great brand for parkour and um you know they've done some cringy and silly stuff in the past but i think kings of the concrete is the furthest from cringy that they've ever been and it's mm-hmm. like i'm so excited for the future of that event and for the future of tempest that's that's a really good way to put put it on the, the brand and you know and it, it's weird because like i feel like if um anyone involved with the brand watches this and they're, and they're saying like you know things they did in the past cringes like what are you talking about that was, that was the best like you just don't know you know you're not with you're not with the culture <laughs> i'm in the culture uh but but yeah, it does. It does really feel that way. That's like such a good point that this was like, uh, yeah, and it just it just strengthens the whole like missing out thing where where there weren't as many big name people or people you know like it was people were surprised that we flew out yeah. to see it you know and I was like really like this this sounded like a big deal of course of course we came out you know. Uh, but I guess, you know, some, some people missed out. You know, if, if you're watching this, you may, maybe you missed yeah. out. And, you know, it sucks to be you. Well, eventually they'll be able to get a chance to see it. Or hopefully, you know, once, once all this, uh, once, once the editors are done and they're, they're able to, I don't know if they're going to pitch it to a Netflix or, uh, or I'm, something. I'm, I'm still, like, under the... Uh, not, not predicting, but... You know, just think it's it's a big possibility that it won't get released. I think at a minimum, you know, if it if it doesn't pull together, they wanted like in the way that they wanted to. I think at a minimum, they'll it'll go up on YouTube at some point. Um, it just might take longer. It might take a long time though, to. because they had <laughs> so much footage. You could, I could just tell watching it, like, they had two camera people who were almost exclusively shooting audience. Yeah. An I'm audience gonna say, reaction. I'm going to say the reason why I think it's either going to take a long time or that the, um, or that this is not going to surface at all, that it was, like, the experiment worked, okay, we saw that we could film okay, we saw that we could have a live event, let's wait till next year and release that one. The reason I'm thinking that is because I wasn't able to find the editor. I was able to talk to, um, I think his name was Julian, mm. guy who was like really in charge of getting a lot of footage, and he wasn't he wasn't able to tell me who was going to edit this thing, and that to me that is is a problem that that your editor is not, and maybe maybe you know maybe maybe he's the person that does it. Maybe they do have someone. I'm just speculating that the fact that yeah. I didn't, that I don't know who's editing it, makes me think that it's either yeah, going to take a long time, 
or it's not going to well, come out at I, all? Well, I, I think it's there, there's no doubt it's going to take a while, but I also, I, I don't know, I feel like this this event was too cool not to release mm-hmm. unless there was like some really big problems what with I'm hoping actual... for what I'm hoping for is that there was an editor they were pre-selected they did know they did see how everything because there's a there's a concept in film is like shoot to edit and so you shoot things in a way mm-hmm. thinking ahead to to actually like edit how it's gonna how it's gonna turn out so I'm hoping that there was an editor involved and that they got to work because because it's the kind of thing too that you want to get to work on like right away. You want yeah. to treat it like there's a deadline. So, well, I, so hopefully there's someone editing right now. I don't know who I was talking to. I mean, I was talking to Gabe, and there was a couple other people in the in the conversation. And I I heard something like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna go sit and edit, like sit down and, and look at the footage mm-hmm. soon, or something like that." Something to that effect. So I'm optimistic. I have no idea when it'll come out. I hope it's sooner than later. Um, but I'm optimistic it is going to come out. Um, yeah, because then us filming this and not talking about the results would be a total waste. Come on. <laughs> I do think that it's going to get leaked, though. Yeah, I think, the... I think you'll probably find, uh, find out the, the, mm-hmm. the winners uh, in, in, uh, in due time. Eventually, yeah. somebody's going to tell somebody. Not already. You know. yeah. Okay, so just, just to kind of like wrap up here then. Yeah. Um, if I, what, what I'd like to do here is, is if, if you were going to pitch this to someone, um, so say this is like, a, it, is, it is, it's a movie, you know, that's, uh, that's going to be released and you just want it to, to pitch your, your review, you know, if you're giving it a, a two thumbs up or, or out of five or whatever, you know, maybe, give it, maybe we can give it a, maybe we can score it, maybe mm. we can score it and then just give like a, you know, a, a two or a three liner as to... So okay. what what to expect? So we're gonna what, do what the review. This the short summary review. So if someone just wanted to fast forward through this video and go right to the end and say like, you know, was it? <laughs> what am I getting into? Okay, um, I would give it four and a half stars out of five. That's a good score. Um, I, I thought the event was well paced. There was tons of action. It wasn't without controversy and problems. Um, and this, you know, this edit might take a super long time. So a live stream would be would it be kind of like a nicer, you know, way to release it to the community, to the culture. But uh, but overall, it was like a, a fantastic experience from my perspective as a spectator, um, and I would do it again. You know, I would come down and watch it again next year for sure. Yeah, I think four to five is fair, mm-hmm. and I think what people can expect is, as we've already said, there there is definitely a story here. There is a climax. There is drama. And probably, prop, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the most impressive line I've ever seen. Yeah, I agree with that. I think. Took you a minute. 
I, you know what, I, I, I went back and I, 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 in my head, I rewatched Ed's line from, mm-hmm. from, uh, mm-hmm. from ABC last, or uh, 2019 with the big side pre, yeah. but, but still that one doesn't, um, doesn't quite hold, no, hold no, the candle doesn't. to this one, the one that we're talking yeah. about. Not even, not even like if you compare time to time, I think, yeah, I think the line that happened at Kings of the Concrete, uh, oh, man, like just the level anyway well hopefully you will get a chance to see this line uh eventually once the uh once this uh once this video is edited or this uh the series is finished um but do you have anything else that you want to talk about no man we gotta wrap this up yeah so we're leaving la tomorrow morning but uh well the next time you see us we'll be back in vancouver And uh, that's it for today's episode. So thanks for tuning in. Please like, subscribe, leave us a comment below, and we will catch you in the next video.